Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for April 14th, 2019. In today's podcast, Pastor Olu brings us a message titled, World Engines, Daniel, the Covenant Maker versus the Covenant Breakers. Do you know God, not just about Him, but truly know Him? In today's message, we look at what distinguished those who violated their covenant with God versus those that knew God in Daniel chapter 11. We look at what it means biblically to know God, as well as specific actions the Apostle Peter commands us to engage in to ensure we obtain the power and peace brought about through true knowledge of God. Join us in our copy of God's Word in Daniel chapter 11 and be ready to spend some time in 2 Peter chapter 1. Daniel 11, we had started talking about, again, Antiochus IV. We got down to verse 32. And we start looking at some of the events that was going on during that time. And I read 32 verse, um, verse uh, chapter 11, verse 32. If you turn it with me, it says, he, talking about Antiochus IV, sh- he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by the sword and flame by captivity and plunder. When they stumble, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery. And some of the wise shall stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end. For it shall await the appointed time. So we talked about these people, the unfaithful, those who violate. We looked at the word violate last week, and we saw it means to seduce with flattery, those who have violated, and we looked at violation as ethically, civilly, and religiously. So we looked a little bit of that as when it came to the covenant of God, these people, these unfaithful people fall into the category of those who. And we saw that and we looked at what does it mean to violate the allegiance with God or the covenant with God from an ethical point of view. So we looked at the word ethical and it had to do with moral principles that govern a person's behavior, what they do. We looked at principles, and we saw principles was a fundamental truth that serves as a foundation for your belief, your behavior, your chain of reasoning. Uh, another word, another definition there had to do with a, either fundamental truth or plan of action. And so the idea was, what is that foundation? What is that truth? What is that plan of action that you've set in place that's the foundation of what you believe, why you believe, how you think? And so we looked at principles, and I gave a challenge for us to go out and write the list of my principles down. These are the fundamental truths that I'm going to stand on as I move forward. Then we got to looking at the word civilly. So as far as civics is concerned, the problem with these people who were God's people during that time, they had made a decision to violate the allegiance with God from a civil standpoint. They had to do it relating with others, with other citizens, with people around us, being nice, being kind to those around us. And the question we came up with last week was, do we look at people as God looks at them? Or do we look at people as God designed them? And we use the term image bearers. We saw how the Bible says in Genesis that God has created us, mankind, humankind, in his image. And so we all bear the image of God. And so because of that, my responsibility civilly how I deal with people in the world, my family, my friends, people I know, people I don't know, my enemies, people that are out to get me, people who's on my side, 
all these people like deal with my responsibility as the responsible uh, Christian is to look at people as image bearers. So I look at them as, wow, they are reflecting the image of God. Wow, that poor guy in the corner, he's reflecting the image of God. Uh, that girl is getting on my nerves. She's reflecting the image of God. That's who she is, an image bearer. And I should treat them accordingly. And then lastly, we didn't get too much in this, and this is where we're going to really pick up today, is religiously. And so those people who are unfaithful, they violated the allegiance they had with God. That's what Daniel's talking about now, Gabriel is telling Daniel about. And they violated God ethically as far as how they themselves carried themselves, their beliefs, their behavior. They violated God civilly, how they treated other people. They did not treat other people with kindness. They didn't treat other people as they were the image bearers of God. And lastly, they violated their allegiance with God these bad people, these unfaithful people, violated allegiance with God from a religious standpoint. They had to do a relationship with God. And we talked about examining yourself. We, told how, we showed how in the scripture it says that we need to test our faith or examine our faith periodically, frequently, test our faith to see if we are in the faith. And Paul, when he wrote that, he was writing to Christians. So he's saying, hey, Christians. Hey, people who claim to be lovers of God. Hey, people who claim to be followers of Christ. Hey, people who claim to have a relationship with Jesus, with God. You, you particularly, need to periodically and frequently test your faith. Make sure that you are saved. Make sure that you are going to go to heaven. Make sure that you are following and lining up with what God says one should follow and one should line up. And so we looked at that. The word there was perazo, and it was a science word. And I love science. And that word has to do with uh, testing metal to determine the two things, its ingredients and its quality. And so we start looking at scriptures and saying, how, what are those things? What the testing of ingredients is to see what's inside. And so I should check what's inside me. And one thing I could check, and we looked at Galatians chapter 5, was the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do I have those things? And I challenge us to do the Fruits of the Spirit test. I can probably can write right on this wall, right? Okay, let me get my markers out. This is perfect. It's nice and white. <laughs> we looked at the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and the question was, do I have those? Remember what Paul said. Paul said, examine. That means check the ingredients. And so I'm going to open my faith up, open my Christianity up, and look inside of there and say, okay, Olu, in my Christianity bag here, do I have love? Do I have joy? Do I have peace? Am I a patient type of person, or do I get ticked off quick just like that? Am I faithful? Do I, am I gentle? Do I respond to people gently, or do I respond crasp or quick or, or vicious, or do I attack? What kind of person am I? Do I have self-control? Do I, if I say I'm going to do something, do I do it? If I say I'm not going to do something, do I have the self-control to do that? Those are the fruit of the Spirit, and I'm testing my ingredients. These people that Gabriel was telling Daniel about and say, listen, there's going to come a time this king Antiochus is going to come around. He's going to be a bad guy. He's going to be vicious. And there are going to be some people who are Jews who are going to turn against God and line up with him and violate the covenant and allegiance they have with God religiously. They're not going to have those, that fruit of the spirit inside of them. And so we have these people that violated in all three of these ways. And so we go from those, from those who have violated the allegiance and the alliance with God, both ethically, civilly, and religiously. Gabriel then shows a contrast in the same verse. 
So we have those people. These are, we're going to call these people the unfaithful. They're over here. So they're listening to Antiochus. His flattering words tricked them. Now they're on his side. These are previously people of God. And so they were the people without principles. They didn't have principles. There was no foundation of truth. There was no plan of action that they had previously written and said, this is where I'm going to make all my beliefs from this foundation. They didn't have that. These were the unfaithful people. Therefore, with no principles, that means that their backing or their reason or their foundation for what they do didn't have to do with principles, but had to do with what they want to do themselves. And it was against God. They also were the people who didn't see others as image bearers of Elohim, of God. These were the unfaithful people during the time. And they were the people that lacked the spiritual fruit that proved their relationship with God. So the idea is to make sure that we are not in this category. Make sure that we don't fall into the unfaithful, the people that Gabriel says is going to happen. That's something, unfortunately, we see those in the church today. Unfortunately, we see that with people we know who claim to know Christ, claim to love Christ, claim to follow Christ, but when you look at their Beliefs, well, I mean, I know what the Bible says, but, you know, people should be able to love who they want to love. And who am I to say? And who am I? I mean, that's, that's really not my business, you know. I'm not supposed to judge anybody, so, you know, let them do what they want to do. Or do you think, think you should take a stand with the word of God says? Well, you know, they live their life the best they can. I'm going to live mine the best I can. Oh, that sounds nice, but that statement, what foundation, what principle are you standing on? Or it's just, just a, ah, it's none of my business. That's not a principle. Can others see how you treat others, how I respond? Well, we have to understand that Christianity is not this thing where I get and I go to church and I sing some wonderful songs and then I just wait till next Sunday. And I go to church and I sing some wonderful songs and then I wait till next Sunday. No, we have a responsibility civilly to interact with people. And so let's make sure that we are not like the unfaithful who don't see others as image bearers of Elohim, of God, and we treat others as they are image bearers of God. And then make sure that we have those ideals and that fruit that shows a relationship with God. So in contrast with that, let's go back to verse 32. He shall seduce them with flattery who violate the covenant. Those are the bad people. But I love the transition. The people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. So you go from one end, the, those who violate, so we're going to call them the those who, the unfaithful people, to the people who know their God, but the people that know their God. And he's going to say, Gabriel is going to tell them two things that the people that know their God are going to do. We have this contrast, and Gabriel is going to tell them two things that the people who know their God is going to do. When we look at those words there, that contrast there is his distinction from those who violate the covenant. The people that know their God act opposite of the those who. So we need to act like the faithful people, the people who know their God, and not act like the people who violated the covenant with God. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 9. The people that know their God. So Gabriel is saying there's a distinction between those who violate the covenant Ethically, when it comes to their principles. Civilly, when it comes to how they treat other people. 
religiously, how they treat God. It's a contrast between them and these new people he's talking about, those who know their God. So what does it mean to know God? What does it mean to those people who know their God? Well, in Psalm chapter 9, I'm going to start at verse 1. The choir master, according to the month laboring, a psalm of David, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise in your name, O Most High. When my enemies, watch what David starts saying, when my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on a throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their city you routed out, and the very memory of them has perished. Watch this, verse 7. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprighteousness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. What does it mean to know God? Well, first to know God means that you have put your trust in him. And look at the context. Remember, back in Daniel, what's going on? Hard times. Antiochus is killing people. Remember, he came back through Jerusalem. He killed 40,000. He came back another day. He was slaughtering people. He came and told them and said, listen, you can't worship God. If I catch you worshiping God, worshiping God I'm going to kill you. All you who are circumcised, you better cover up that circumcision. No more circumcising your baby. No more. Well, you going to the temple to do what? To worship Jehovah? To sacrifice a lamb? No. If we catch you sacrificing a lamb, we're going to kill you. As a matter of fact, here's some pigs. Go sacrifice these pigs. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take this idol of Zeus, the God, and put him in your holy temple. If I catch anybody reading the Bible, anybody with the Bible, you're dead. This was a persecution that was going on on God's people. In the midst of that, David is saying, over here, look, what he's talking about? When my enemy is doing this, when my enemy is doing that. Even in the midst of my enemies, even in the midst of my hard times, verse 7 said, the Lord is enthroned forever. Ever. So those who know your name put their trust in you. Turn me to 2 Peter. We're going to spend a little time talking about this. Gabriel made a contrast. He said those are people who violated the covenant. And then there's a people but those that know, but the people who know their God. And so I want to make sure I'm not one who violated the covenant. Okay, so how do I do that? Well, I want to be the opposite guy, the person who know their God. So how do I know God? First Peter, Peter tells us how we can know God. Second Peter chapter one. This is exciting, but I don't know if you ever read Second Peter. Second Peter doesn't get a lot of props. People stay like with, with Paul's, you know, Romans and Philippians and Galatians and Ephesians. They stay up in there. A lot, a lot of times people don't get down to Second Peter and get the props. Peter was, Peter was throwing some good knowledge out. So if you get some time, Go on to read 2 Peter. It's a short book. 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter off the top is saying, I'm talking to you Christians. Okay, that's what we're talking about. We're talking to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the what? 
knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. So Peter says off the top in this book, I'm about to talk about the knowledge of God. Off the top, I'm letting you know this is the topic we're talking about. And so when we look at that word knowledge in the original language, it's a compound word. Gnosko means to know. All right, to know, K-N-O-W, to know something. Gnosko, that's the Greek for to know something. The word epi is a prefix which means to superimpose. Watch this. I got excited when I saw this, Los. The word that Peter used here is epigonosco. He said that you may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the epigonosco of God and the epigonosco of our Jesus, of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if epi means to superimpose and gnosko means to know, what Peter was saying specifically was to take what you know and superimpose. So we know what superimpose means, right? Superimpose means to put something on top of. So I, I superimpose. So if I have a, it's right here. May I grab your pillow? We have a picture here of uh, Mr. Van Gogh, Van Gogh, for those of excellence. And this is a, a pillow. And what they did was they took the picture of a famous artist, Van Gogh, and they superimposed it onto this pillow. And so now I have a pillow with Van Gogh's face on it. And superimposed. This is now on top of it. It's part of the pillow. This is an, an entity of itself. The word that Peter used for knowledge was to superimpose what you know onto God and Lord Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is to take the to know, to know God, and to lay it or impose it such that your knowledge of God is laid on top of God and that they are one of the same. Make sure that you know God so that your knowledge of him and who he actually is, is on top of each other, is the same thing. So that means I know who God actually is. You see what I'm saying? And so we have to, Peter jumps off and says, listen, you need to make sure that your knowledge of God is superimposed, is equal, is exactly what God is. So don't know halfway God. Don't know a God who you create yourself. Don't know a little bit about God. Peter said, to know God means I have to understand fully who he is. And so to do that, I need to become thoroughly acquainted with. I need to know accurately who God is. And when I do that, Paul says that that knowledge of God brings a couple of things up front. It brings grace and it brings peace. As a matter of fact, it just doesn't bring it. Paul, Peter says it brings it multiplied. That means you get a whole bunch of grace over and 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 over again, and a whole bunch of peace over and over and over and over and over again. And that grace and that peace comes from me knowing who God is. What is grace? Grace is that power. Grace is power as we go through life's trials and tribulations and hard times and stress and disappointment and confusement. You need the power of God to push through that. And so Peter says to get that power, multiply, not just a little power, not just an added power. He said multiply. To get that multiplied power, I need to know who God is. 
I need to have the knowledge of God and superimpose it on top of who he is. That's it. We got to keep going. You can't check out. And God has given us a power to do that. In that, Paul, Peter also said not only grace, but also peace. In the storm. When stuff is crazy, when stuff is too much, when we need that peace right in the middle of the turmoil and we need that peace of God, Peter says that that peace is available, not just a little bit, not just added peace, not just double peace, but multiplied peace is available in the knowledge of who God is. And so I need to, I need power to get through this, know who God is. I need peace right now, know who God is. I need power to, to make this decision. I got a decision I got to make. I want to make sure it's the right decision. How do I do that? God said, well, I got the power for you. <laughs> just, just know who I am. And so when I take time to know God, to take who God is and take my knowledge of him and put it on top such that I know who God is accurately, then God said, okay, you know me. Now I can give you that power to go make that decision. I can give you that peace right now because you can't sleep at night, because you're stressing, because you don't know what to do with that, because you don't know what to do with him, because you don't know how you're going to get through this, because you don't know what's going to turn out here, because you don't have control of that, and that seems to be crazy, and there's nothing you can do but sit and watch the train wreck, and you need that peace. God said, I can give you that peace to sleep at night. <laughs> I can do that, but you got to know me. You have to know who I am to do that. And this verse, keep reading, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the, here we go again, the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. What does it mean to know God? Well, the knowledge of God, we talked about grace and peace, but now it's telling us, we're giving us divine power for all things pertaining to life and godliness. So I want to make it through life. Peter says God has given all that you need to make it. You're going on a long trip, what you need. I hate packing. I do. Because either I pack way too much or I don't have enough underwear and t-shirts. That's, that's the, it's very specific. It is, yeah. I, I just, I'm like, okay, count this for, huh, four days Four nights, okay, I need, when I wake up, I'm going to take a bath, and I, and I try to calculate it, then I get a hotel, and Thursday's like, ah, no more underwear. <laughs> How did that happen? Or the opposite, I get to 30, and I've got my entire drawer inside a suitcase. <laughs> like, why do I have 8,000 pieces of clothing? I can never get it wrong. Right, I hate it. But when you're going on a trip, there's something you need to do. You need to prepare the things you need. I need to make sure I have my clothes. I need to have my, my work computer. I need to make sure I have this, I have this. And so I'm prepared and I have everything I need to go through what I'm about to go through. Peter says that God has granted us everything we need for life and for godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence. And so I can have those things. I can be a partakers of his divine nature. And verse four, let's keep reading there. By which he granted us precious and great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And so with this knowledge of God, with me taking who God is and my knowledge of him, 
and making sure that my knowledge of him is accurate. That means I have to do some studying. That means I have to do some praying. That means I have to do some listening because I want to make sure that I know who God actually is because knowing who God actually is is the key that unlocks his grace, his power, his peace, all things that pertain to life and godliness, his very precious and great promises and allows me to escape corruption from the world based on my sinful desire. How do I remain pure in this world? How we as young people as we grow up, how do we make sure that we remain pure and holy as we grow up and we make decisions as we go through life? Peter said the way to do that is through the knowledge of God. I need to know who God is. Take my knowledge of him, make sure it lines up to who he actually is. And in that, I will have those things to be able to do that. To know God. Gabriel said there's some people who violate the covenant and the allegiance they have with God and said, but those who know God, a certain other group of people, where do you fall? Are you with this first group or are you with the second group? Well, Peter goes on to say that because of this knowledge, this is what would be proof that we have knowledge of God. We know who God is. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So Peter is about to say, you, Christians, need to know who God is. And so in order to know who God is, for this very reason of knowing who God is, here are some things you need to supplement to your faith. What's a supplement? Something you add to. You go, you've seen GNC, the store, GNC, the health store? It's filled with supplements. I mean, you walk in there, they got everything, you know, stuff you didn't even heard about. Alpha, beta, gamma pills. Like, what, what in the world is that? You know, we got some gamma pills here, man. You need to take this. If you add some fish oil to that, you need to push this. This will take your BCAs and send them to level 2.2. Then you'll be able to, and there's so many pills and vitamins. And uh, I remember when we were little, when I was little, difference. We were little, I was little. They used to have commercials for Flintstone vitamins. They still make them? They do? Oh, wow. Wait a minute. They're good? They're, <laughs> they're amazing? <laughs> they used to taste like chalk to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it must upgrade. <laughs> That's what I did. But those were supplements. There was things that you eat your diet, eat healthy. Oh, and take these Flintstone um, pills. And they were vitamins. Yeah, take these vitamins to help supplement. That's to add to what you're eating. It gives you something that you need. Peter said, listen, to know God, to be that person who knows who God is, there needs to be some things that you are adding to your faith. My faith is not enough. Woo, that's dangerous to say that. So you're telling me faith is not enough? Because when you hear people talking, especially people trying to talk spiritually, they say, you know what? It's my faith. Because of my faith, I made the decision. You know, I have a strong faith. Listen to people. They don't talk about relationship with God. They don't talk about salvation. They don't talk about loving Jesus Christ. They don't talk about giving up their sinful nature to put on a new creature to become godly. You hear people on TV and people when they talk, it's about faith. You know, it's about your faith. How strong is your faith? My strong faith got me through that. Faith in what? Faith, because your faith has to be directed. Your faith, I like to say this, I heard this a long time ago. Your faith is only as strong as the person you have your faith in. So the question was, your faith, you talk about faith this, faith that. Faith in what? Faith in who? Because it's not faith in Jesus Christ and you just talking to be talking. And Peter is saying, you need to add some stuff to your faith. It's not just enough to say, I love Jesus, I'm good to go. I've got a Bible, I'm great. 
I know a couple of verses and I can sing a bunch of CCM songs, so I'm good to go. I like Chris Tomlin. He's great. So I'm good. No, 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 no. Peter says that that is not enough. We need to add these things to your faith. So the question I'm asking you, us, myself, is have we added these things to our faith? Verse 5 says, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So I need to add to my faith what? That supplement or that word means to bring alongside. So I have my faith. That means I need to put some stuff with it. What are the things he says? First, add to your faith virtue. So I have my faith here. I would write faith here on the wall, on the board. Faith. I need to add to my faith virtue. And to virtue, I add knowledge. And to knowledge, I add self-control. And then to my self-control, I add steadfastness. To my steadfastness, I add godliness. To that, I add brotherly kindness. And then to that, I add love. Verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, two things. If they're yours, that means they're inside of you. Remember the word we looked at? The two things was to know what's inside of you. And how good it is. Okay, so to know what's inside of you, he said, test your face, examine your face. That means to know the ingredients and to know the quality of it. And so Peter says, if these things are in you, they're part of your ingredients. They're part of your faith. You have your faith and you added these things to it. If they're in you, are yours and are increasing. That means that I am persistent and diligent in making sure I am continually adding these things. That means the quality of these things are good. Peter says these things got to be in you and they have to have good quality. And so if you take that, if that happens, verse 8 says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge, there's that word again, of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do I make sure I have knowledge of Jesus Christ? How do I make sure I have the knowledge? Remember, those good people are those, but those who know their God. How do I make sure I know my God? Peter says that I can make sure that I'm effective and fruitful in knowing who God is if I have these qualities added to my faith. So let's look at them. First thing I'm supposed to add to my faith, supplement to my faith, or the Greek word says to bring alongside my faith is virtue. What is virtue? Virtue is moral excellence. Moral excellence. What are morals? Well, we talked about principles. We said principles was kind of like the fundamental truth or the plan of action that serves as the foundation of how I believe or the foundation of the decisions I make or my thought processes. That's what principles are. Morals are kind of the same. Morals have to do with my personal standard or my behavior concerning what is acceptable and what is not acceptable for me to do. So my morals is what I've decided based on my principles. I've got this foundation here that I've got set on the word of God. I've got this plan of action here. So based of that, I'm going to decide what is I should do and what I shouldn't do. So if somebody does me wrong, I should not punch them straight in the face. I shouldn't do that. That's a, that's a moral. Okay? What I should do is, and then I make those decisions about my personal behavior. 
The word virtue means moral excellence. That means that my standards for right and wrong, or my standards for what is acceptable and what's not acceptable, are excellent. Paul says you can have your faith. Peter says have your faith, have your love of God, have your trust in God. But with that, you had better add to that, because that's not enough, Christian. You need to add on top of that some moral excellence. And so the question is that Peter is asking is, do you, have you added moral excellence to your faith? Have you added goodness to your faith? That word also comes with courage. Virtue means moral excellence with courage. Because to make right decisions, I have to have some courage. Especially in a world where most of the decisions the world calls right are wrong. And most of what the world calls wrong is right. And so when I step into this world of right or wrong, I need to have the courage to be morally excellent. I have to have the courage to be good. I have the courage to know what is acceptable and do that and what is not acceptable and don't do that, regardless of what people around me are saying or doing or thinking or encourage me to do. That takes courage. Paul Peter says, add to your faith moral excellence, that virtue. Then he said, once you got that down, you got your faith, You've added moral excellence. So not only do I love God, have I trusted in God as my personal savior? Am I heading down the path? Am I doing reading the word every day? I am also morally excellent. I know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, and I have the courage to do the right thing. Peter said, once you got that down pat, you need to now add to that knowledge. Add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. What's knowledge? Knowledge is not talking about intellectual pursuits. It's not talking about reading a book and make sure you understand all of these and the thousands and all this kind of stuff. What Peter is talking about here is a spiritual knowledge that comes through the Holy Spirit and is focused on the person and the word of God. After I have my faith, I'm saved, I love God, I trust in God, I believe what the Bible says, I then now work on my moral excellence, make sure that I know what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what is good, and I have the courage to do good no matter where I am. Once I get that understandable, now I'm going to knowledge. Now I'm going to take time because now I've already showed I have the courage to do what's right and wrong. Now I need to know what exactly I'm supposed to do. And so I spend time in the word of God, getting that knowledge, that spiritual knowledge, understanding, focus on the person of God and the word of God. Peter says you should be adding knowledge to your faith. Are we doing that? Do we as a body of Christ, do we as followers of the way, do we add knowledge to our faith? Or is it just, I'm saved, I'm good. Peter said you need to add it how? Increasingly. He says, if you have these things and they're increasing, you are adding more and more and more. Do you know more about the word of God than you did a year ago? Do you know more about the word of God than you did 10 years ago? I think Padilla said the other day, we shouldn't take for granted the fact that we're a church who we study the word of God. We don't do a lot of flipper and flabber stuff, man. We come with doctrine and we break down the word of God. Cute. But if I'm not taking time to study and learn, if I'm just listening to what Padilla says on Sunday, like, oh, man, that guy knows a lot. Now I'm about to live my life. 
No, I need to be like, okay, Fadia said some crazy things, son. Let me go this week and get my Bible open, maybe get a couple of commentaries, and ask God to help me understand so that I can understand these things and these concepts that we're talking about, see what the Word of God actually says about those things and these concepts, and see how do I apply that to my life. That what it, that's what it means to add knowledge to your faith. It didn't say listen to knowledge. It said add it to your faith. And so I need to be a point where well, Fadia is real smart. He knows a lot about the Bible. How come you don't? Well, you know, I just, I, you know, that's, that's, I just, no, it's no different. Paul even said it. Paul said, you, we, as the body of Christ, you are to be ready to give an answer to any man that asks of the faith that you have. Why do you believe in God? The Bible says so. Why do you believe the Bible? The Bible says so. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. How do you know Jesus like really died, rose from the, from the dead? The Bible says so. Yeah, I don't believe the Bible. So how do you know that Jesus rose from the dead? What does this thing mean that so so heaven exists? Why? What did we? Where does that come from? If God is so powerful, why is there people dying? Answer me that. Why do bad things happen? That guy went into school and shot up a school, killed innocent people. And you believe in God? Psst. Why? Well, because the Bible says so. Peter says, listen, faith in God is not enough. That's the starting point. You need to add to that faith moral excellence and courage to do what is right. You need to add to that the knowledge of God and add it increasingly. We should be growing in the knowledge of who Christ is, of what God says daily, daily, daily. Then Peter says, add to your knowledge self-control. Well, that's, that's easily explainable. Self-control means to be able to control self. Once I have my faith, then I add moral excellence and goodness and courage to that. Then I add increasing knowledge. I'm every day trying to learn more about God, trying to understand more about the scriptures, putting my mind to it, adding to that, making sure that I'm growing spiritually. Once I get that, now I add to that self-control because now I got a foundation, right? I got the word of God, I got the knowledge. I know who Jesus is. I'm learning about him every day. And so because of that, I'm like, yo, I need to start doing what's right because of who God is, because I'm making these right decisions because of my faith. And so now I got self-control. When I was reading this and studying self-control, all I could think of was, was, was Ray and Brenda because they're on this keto whatever thing they're doing. I don't know how godly it is, but I'm just, just throwing it out there. But it's just very godly. But this keto diet says there's some things you can eat and you cannot eat. And I'm looking at Ray like, come on, man. Like, really? Yeah, man. I, I just can't. I can't do bread. What do you mean you can't eat bread? I just I can't eat it. So, you know, we had some good. Would you tell me cauliflower pizza the other day? I said, first of all, you're lying. And lying is a sin because this thing is good cauliflower pizza because you can't. That's not crust. That's not dough. You got to have dough to have pizza. He said, no, man. Remember, I'm not eating dough. I'm not eating bread. That takes self a control that Olu Bolden, in this instance, does not have. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, not, I'm, I'm eating pizza. That's what I'm doing. Okay? That's no, no prayer necessary. But self-control meaning you made a decision. So Ray and B made a decision. You know what? This is what we're going to do. Forever long they decide. This is what we're going to do. And so I have to control myself. So when Ray is out in his truck and he's getting some gas and he's in the 7-Eleven and he walks in there and he sees uh, chips and 
crackers and bread and soda and Coke Zero and all that stuff, he's got to say, I have made a decision to control my appetites and my desires, and I am not going to do that. That's what self-control means. Self-control means that I have appetites, I have a desire, and I'm going to be in control of that. Remember, it's not you, because you, self-control, have been reading and applying knowledge of the Word of God every day to you. And so you know where that self-control is coming from, because you know what the Word says in every aspect, and you've already made a decision that you're going to do what's right and what's good, and you have the courage to do that based on your faith. Paul says, Peter says, you got to add this stuff to your faith, and to that Self-control, you need to add steadfastness. That word there means to, it literally means to stay under. It's the idea of pain and suffering and a lot of hard stuff going on, and you are still staying under. You're going you're gonna to bear, they, they, put, they stack up bricks on top of you, I'm going to stay under. They stack up hard times inside you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be firm. I was squatting the other day. All right, Actually in the weight room, not squatting. Though squatting outside of the rate room is also a task. So to get down and get stuff and get back up. But I was squatting in the rate room. So I had my, you know, 17 knee braces on. I had 49 ankle braces on. And I was getting up in weight. And the Olu, I don't want to say a pride because that's a sin. But the Olu was like, look, I don't need a spot on this. I don't need nobody to stand behind me. Because I don't like people squatting on me when I'm doing squats because you're all up close on me. And they're going down and I'm going down and coming up. It's uncomfortable. But I was like, yo, this is some heavy weight. I need to reduce my pride and do that. I need to get under this weight. And so I maxed, I put up the weight, I put the place on, and I got under that weight. That's what steadfastness means. That means to get under that weight and be able to hold it up. Peter says that once you have your faith, you add to your faith virtue, that's moral excellence, you add to that knowledge, you add to that knowledge self-control, and now to that, I'm going to add steadfastness. Based on all this, now I can handle the hard times. I can stay there. I cannot give up. I will not surrender. This steadfastness gives me the ability to not surrender no matter what's going on. And it also gives me the ability to not to give in under trials and tribulations and stress. I can do that because I've got self-control under that, because of the knowledge of God, because of my moral excellence and courage that I've decided to have, because of my faith. This is how I know God. See, knowing God isn't some, I need to go somewhere and play some soft music and light some candles and walk around and ask God to show yourself to me, God. Reveal yourself to me, God. God, I want to see your face. God, show me. Yeah, that's cool. But God is like, I've already done it. I've shown you how to get the knowledge of me right here. Do that. And that unlocks to you all that stuff, that grace, that peace, all things pertaining to life and godliness, precious and great promises, all those things. I'll go through the last three quicker. Onto that, we add godliness. That has to do with well reverence. See, once I got all that stuff down and that self control, I began to look at God differently. I began to look at God and give him the awe and the response and the respect that he needs. Do I admire God more than I did a year ago? Or am I looking at God the same way I've done all my whole Christian life? Well, God is big and powerful and he's up there. He does some good things from time to time, and I pray to him. Or as the years go by, because of my self-control, because of my steadfastness, because of my knowledge, because of my moral excellence, because of my faith, has my awe to God grown like, oh, my goodness, God, you are so amazing. Have you ever said that? Have you ever felt that? 
To that, then we add brotherly, a kind, um, um, brotherly love, a brotherly affection, friendship love. Are you friendlier than you were a year ago? And that one kind of hit me a little bit. Because I'm not a people person, I'll say. I'm the kind of guy like just in the corner and just chill. And so when I was reading this, I started thinking to my faith, Paul, Paul, Peter said he'd be adding brotherly kindness. That means I'm supposed to be friendlier and continue to add more friendliness to this stack of stuff I'm supposed to have. Well, who's going to work on that? And finally, love. That's that biblical, unconditional, purposeful love. Do you love more than you did a year ago? And this isn't a feeling love. This is I feel more love to people. No, this love is agape love. This is a choice, active love. This is I made a decision to show you love. I made a decision to love you. That's what that is. So have I made more of a decision this year to love? And then Peter ends with saying in verse um, 8, for if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do I know God? How do I make sure that my knowledge of God isn't ineffective? Some of us, some people in the world have an ineffective knowledge of God. Oh, you know some things about God, but your knowledge is ineffective. That means there's no effect. There's nothing happening based on your knowledge of God. That's a sad sight. And so when the tribulations and the hard times come, like Gabriel was telling Daniel about Antiochus, if you don't have proper knowledge of God, you become ineffective and you start doing those things that the people that violate God do. Unfruitful in the knowledge of God because you have not stacked your faith on all this stuff you're supposed to stack on. Let's do that. Once we do our spiritual, our fruit of the spirit test, we need to do our tests on these faith additives. Everybody, individually, look at your faith. Have you added these things to it? This is how we know who God is. This is how we understand who God is. And in doing this, Peter says, for whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted and is blind and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his formal sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. There's now Peter's telling you, confirm your calling. Confirm your salvation. Make sure, confirm, you better know it. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an inheritance to the eternal kingdom of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, God for your word. We thank you, God, that you have shown us how to know you, how to superimpose the knowledge of you to exactly who you are so they are accurate, God. And we thank you, God, that you have given us the, the principles and, and the way to not be like those people who violated their allegiance with you, God. I pray, God, that we in the body of Christ, we in followers of the way, we will be people who know their God. And God, that we will know you fully and receive the grace and the power and, 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 and the, all those very great and precious promises and all that we need for life and godliness, God, by adding to our faith, moral excellence, virtue, by adding to that knowledge, by adding to that self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly love, and then love for you, God. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. 
If you like more information about followers of The Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.